makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith. On this episode, we welcome back Mr. Gordon Burrell. He is the founder of Burrell Associates, considered the local media industry's leading analyst. He's ranked in the top 2% on Gershon Lerman's group's 150,000 consultants worldwide and is quoted frequently in advertising and media trade publications like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Ad Age, Forbes, and others. Gordon has appeared on CNN and other TV and radio programs discussing trends and forecasts for local media. And prior to starting Burrell Associates, he was vice president for new media of Landmark Communications, where he worked for 22 years. He's the past chairman of the Local Media Association, current chair of the Local Media Foundation. He's got five children, and he's been active in youth sports and local schools. He lives with his wife in beautiful Virginia Beach. Get ready, Conquerors. Gordon Burrell, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast, a gentleman who needs no introduction to this audience because uh, we've had Gordon on the show a couple times over the last, uh, can you believe it, five seasons? Because Gordon, you were on season one um, and we always, you know, the tradition is we bring Gordon on right around the Burrell event, which was in New York at the beautiful Grand Hyatt, and then you moved it. And I don't, I don't even know why you would move a conference to Miami. Like, it just sounds awful <laughs> when you go to New York to Miami. Like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, there was just one thing behind it and it was a four letter word called snow. We <laughs> held it in New York for 10 years and it was very, very successful at the Grand High, you know, one of the most expensive venues and it was packed. It was, you know, pretty much sold out every year. And I just got freaking tired of every single year, every, there wasn't a break for all those 10 years we always would look at the forecast and go, oh my God, it's going to snow next week, you know, just before the conference came. And often it did. And it was just, you know, I just got tired of that. But the the real reason that prompted us to do it, you know, because change is hard, right? You like doing the same thing you're comfortable with is the Hyatt got converted to condos. Yeah. <laughs> so they shut it down. And we, well, where should we go? And so we said, let's go to Miami. I said, oh, what the hell? We went to Miami and it was an even bigger success. So a couple of uh, my colleagues were at your first event in Miami, and it happened to be the very last conference before everything got shut down on COVID. So we uh, we saw each other again here a few weeks back in Miami, and uh, Burrell 2022 was on board. Congratulations, sold out, 
absolutely sold out. The place was jammed. Some great conversations. I loved Ezra's conversation around DraftKings and what they're doing in the in the gambling. See, I could always count on you to have an amazing lineup of speakers. In fact, we've had Rashad Tabakawala on the show, and I was introduced to him at, at your event in New York a couple of years back. But, you know, I got to tell you, Gordon, one of the highlights of that event is your keynote and the information you bring forward every year. And this year, you're you're diving into that Nostradamus-like Gordon Burrell, whatever it is that you look into to see the future and looking at 2032 with a ton of data behind that. And I'd love to understand from your lens, what does the future look like? Yeah, well, Nostradamus be damned. My crystal ball is, you know, it's like a little dented marble, glass marble in my drawer. And I, when I look through it, everything is not only blurry, but also upside down. So there, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the genesis of that presentation occurred about this time last year. I was reading an article in Harvard Business Review, and it was entitled something like, Why Great Strategies Fail. It's a fairly long article, and I'm just reading it during lunch and got halfway through it. And there was a quotation from a, uh, a newspaper consultant who said in the year 2000, she was working with a bunch of newspapers and she was struck by the fact that their long-term planning uh, was three or four years out. So, you know, uh, 2002, three, four, something like that. And she said, yet they had all of the data to understand where things would have been headed in 2010 because they had been on the internet for five or six years, had established these very formidable presences by uh, the year 2000, and actually had experience back in the in the 1980s with a, th- a thing called Butron, which was online bulletin boards. So that was that was the genesis. That's why I did the 2032 presentation, looking 10 years out. So you know, I remember a very compelling image that you showed with Prince Charles wearing a cutting edge piece of technology <laughs> called Google Glass. Now that really caught on because I'm actually wearing my Google Glasses right now. Hey, well, the the interest the, the the reason for that was for those uh, to benefit those who weren't there at the event um, was I went into uh, talking about TikTok, and I talked you know a little bit incessantly and um, you know excitedly about it on purpose because I know people go what the hell is he talking about TikTok that is the most ridiculous thing, um, and then. I, I walk through, if you recall, I said, if, if I were standing in front of you 10 years ago, I would be talking about MySpace and about Facebook. Facebook wasn't even a public company. And, you know, and I went through all of the things that had occurred in 2010. So let me take you back to that period. And if you wanted to be cool, the coolest thing you could do was wear Google Glass. And there was the, the picture of, you know, probably the most uncool guy in the world wearing Google Glass. So my point was, you know, what, you know, seemed cool back then really wasn't. And what seemed stupid back then, Facebook, really wasn't stupid. So fast forward to today, you look at some of these platforms like Instagram Reels and TikTok and you go, well, that's ridiculous. And then through a series of, of, you know, data we had from 2010, we said, look, here were the things that look ridiculous and look what happened to them. So right. I love the contrast where, where you're saying, you know, 10 years ago, here's all the crazy stuff. And here's the things that came true that now we look at it and it's just things that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. So now when we look forward, 
I see what you're doing here. But the, the one thing I want to tell our audience that is not familiar with the name Gordon Burrell and your organization, there is a ton of research that is done every year with a local advertiser survey. And I, is it 11 years, 12 years, 14? You've been doing this for a long time. And that's the piece where people are on the edge of their seat in that room, all the top media executives in the U.S., taking pictures of the screen, hoping that you won't send the deck out, but you always send the deck out. But yet we still <laughs> take pictures because we're like that. Right there. I need I need to understand that. Yeah. Well, the reason I got into the business, George, back in 2001 was I knew from my experience with another media company back in the 1990s, understanding disruptive innovation was that people would feel challenged and really, really skeptical of what the future would hold. So people making predictions would be shouted down unless they had research. And I thought, I'm going to get that research. I'm going to have a data-based company and I'm going to be dying to get up on stage to say something and have somebody challenge me because I got the data. So we run this survey. It's the largest survey of local advertisers. We're about to launch it for uh, 2022. We're actually doing two now. We'll do one in the spring, one in the fall. Um, but from that comes an incredible amount of insights that, you know, it's not the standard stuff. We ask them what they're spending and, you know, where they're spending it and what's changing and things like that. But we get into a couple of the deeper questions to figure out what the hell is going on. And it just, you know, we're able to pull out some really remarkable insights. There's a really interesting thing that happened during the pandemic, and we kind of saw it occur in the year 2000. So we quick pushed in a, a, a survey question there, and then we followed up in 2021. And sure enough, there it is, you know, great, great drama that's happening with uh, media company or with uh, advertisers as a result of the pandemic. So when we look past COVID, hopefully it is in their rear view mirror. It's over. We're moving on. What, what, what are you seeing in some of the trends? If we were to pick out some of those top trends? Well, I think the biggest one that we all have to pay attention to is the one I, I alluded to. And that was, during the pandemic, we, we'd been through it before, not the pandemic, but a downturn, an economic downturn. Advertisers always act a certain way. So they acted that way when we had started the business, which is the dot-com bubble burst, brief recession, and then during the Great Recession. So when the pandemic came, we go, oh, wow, we know what they're going to do. Let's start testing all that and see what happens. And, and then you can see what changes because trends move along very slowly, almost subtly, and then when economic trigger occurs, boom, you know, they accelerate. Things accelerate down and things accelerate up. So the key trend that we saw in 2020 was that people retrenched. They always do with their advertising dollars, except a few. The smart ones continue spending and they, they, grit, they get market share. So they steal market share from everybody else who gets paralyzed when they go, well, we can't advertise because we can't even open. And I don't even know if we'll be able to deliver, you know, and so everybody's just frozen. And then what they did, George, was they plowed a lot of money into their websites. When they figured out what to do, they said, well, we need to put the hours of operation and what we're doing to protect people on their websites. And we need to put an e-commerce, we don't even have an e-commerce thing. People can't buy gift certificates. And, and so they spent all that time doing that. And then they realized social media was kind of an advertising thing. So they needed to do some of that. And then they became like media companies. They had content. They needed to write headlines. They needed to shoot videos. And they needed to feed that news animal 
every day. So it was, they're a mountain, you know, they have a, a, a bike shop and they have a new mountain bike. And so, you know, they get somebody riding around the parking lot on it and talking about it. They post it on their Facebook page or Instagram. And then, you know, two or three days later, they go, well, that was great. People came in. Now what? So they just have to keep feeding it. So the trend that occurred was all of a sudden in 2021, these businesses started hiring massive amounts, like two people, <laughs> each of them. Um, but add them all up, you know, 20 million businesses uh, started hiring marketing people. And this has never happened before. It was always the owner who made the marketing decision. You know, the, the, the radio guy would come in or the TV guy or the Yellow Pages guy. Go, oh, yeah, I'll buy that or give me a better price. Now it's a marketing team. And guess what? They're very, very young. And guess what young people do the most? They get on their smartphones. <laughs> so <laughs> all of their marketing is around social media and smartphones and things like that. So that will have a significant effect on the future of marketing for companies. That's the big change during the pandemic. This army of young marketers, very, very influenced by, you know, the power of social media and search. So I remembered one of the slides I took a picture of knowing that you would send them out afterwards, but I still took a picture where it says that in 2022, there's 862,000 marketing jobs, which is greater than the 729,000 advertising jobs. Now, I remember back a few years ago where you told us that marketing spend was larger than advertising spend. I think it was right 2016, correct? Were those passed? Yeah, right around then, yeah. And now we have this phenomenon that you're describing. So as, you know, trusted local expert, you know, we've got lots of those around the planet on our platform. My favorite part of my job is four-legged call, where I get to go out with the sales rep and talk to their client. And we started hearing about that time, 2016 or 14, probably in between there, I got a guy, I got a gal. Yep. And now you're yep. telling me they don't have one, they got two, three, and four. Yeah, the deer have the guns. Uh, they got their own you know, marketing people internally and they're novices, George, they're a novice, you know, a definition of a novice is someone who spent less than 3000 hours in the particular task. When they get to 10,000 hours, you know, which is roughly four years at 40 hours a week, um, they're, they're masters. So by definition, they're younger people who haven't been in the workforce more than four years. I'm generalizing here, mm -hmm. um, but they tend to look like younger people to us. We're doing more testing on that. And those younger people, the the you know, they're Gen Zers, they're the youngest of them, uh, and they're Gen Ys. They have very different ideas about how to market, they're good or bad, but they're different. And so if you're with an agency or a media company, you damn well better sync up with these people. They need education. It's not like they know everything, you know, and they know they don't know everything. And so the, the more interesting thing is, okay, this army, you know, of these young people scare me to death. I'm 64 years old. Oh my God. They're just going to want to advertise on TikTok. You know, I can't even talk to them. Um, they don't know my language. I'm a boomer, right? Um, they actually want to talk to you. They need your help. They go, well, you know, okay, I don't really watch TV and I don't read the newspaper and I don't listen to radio and I'm not that sure about billboards or cable TV. Can you help me with that? How does this all fit together? You know, should we spend some money there? Because, you know, I really know the owner, the craggy old owner of my HVAC company says, we ought to be buying some radio. 
what is radio again? <laughs> so, you know, so there's a what I'm saying is there's a great, great opportunity for agencies um, and and media companies to step up to the plate and say, "We'll be your partner. We'll help you. We're not just trying to sell you stuff. We want to partner with you and help you make things work." Well, that that was one thing that I found to be very um, like a proof point was where you had the four the four things that you learned that you know why are those advertisers clients why are they buying from a trusted local expert and and it seems that the the reasons haven't really changed yeah they they haven't you know the 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 remarkable thing about it you know you can say well here are the four things that advertisers want the most 80% or more say it's very to extremely important when i'm making a decision to hire an agency or a media company that they have great marketing expertise, they have um, uh, you know a partnership rather than the vendor attitude. You can say all those things, and they go, "Oh yeah, that's kind of interesting." It's even more interesting if you contrast it four years ago. Four years ago, there were two things at the top of the list when we asked advertisers, "What causes you to hire an agency or a media company?" Two things were at the top of the list. They're not there anymore. And it's just amazing. They are. You want to know what they are? I, I should know. tell you. <laughs> they were, and it's just so boring. When I saw Corey Elliott, our head of local market intelligence, do this on stage, I thought, oh, that's just so boring. It's the stupidest damn thing. Um, he said, here it is. The number one thing that the reason that these companies choose a partner to work with is the type of media that they're selling. So think about it. The owner says, well, I want to buy some radio advertising. That's what I need. So what's most important? Well, that they have radio advertising to sell. <laughs> the number two thing was that the person selling it is an expert in radio advertising or, you know, TV or it could be direct mail or, or whatever. Those two things indicated that the advertiser knew what they wanted to buy. Gone. Four years later. Gone. <laughs> they don't know what they need to buy. What they need is somebody to advise them. I mean, that is just such a great opportunity. It's a ball of clay. Well, and, you know, for for those of us listening to what you just said, I get excited with that because, you know, in my tickle trunk, I've got everything. What do you need? You need connectivity? I got that. You need Microsoft 365? I got that. You need Google Workspace? I got that because the, the toolkit is getting larger. And I remember when you and I first met years ago. We were, we were preaching this gospel to organizations saying, you need to get a team that can present more than just boxes on paper and spots and remotes. Like They need to be able to offer more because of the demand that was coming from the street. How do you think we're making out on that, Gordon? You work with lots of media companies. You have them as your customers. Do you think that we have true, trusted local experts that understand all the nuances of a holistic digital marketing strategy? Well, not not across the board, but I'm really encouraged, um, and I and I think a lot of companies finally get it. There was resistance to this just a few years ago, and rightly so. If the data that I just told you about is true, and that is advertisers saying, "Oh, the hell with that! I just want to buy radio," so yeah. that's that. So, so you know, salespeople are smart. They can't make commission. They can't put food on the table unless they sell. And if the advertiser is saying, "Hey, give me some marketing advice," they're they're adopting. Now, not all of them. The, the older set, um, it, it's, it's harder to change, you know, if you're older and you see a set way of doing things. If you're younger, maybe it's more flexible. The average age of the people in our audience at the conference was 52, right? So that indicates this is a really older set that's out there trying to respond. 
However, um, I think the demand is such that the salespeople, like I said, are really smart. You know, they're going to figure it out and they're going to go, wow, I really need this. And if I don't have the answer, I'm going to get it for you. So what I tell people, George, this is, this is helpful sales reps, um, is that look, pick the, the craggiest, most ornery bully, you know, advertiser that you are, you deal with, you have to deal with that big auto dealer who knows everything, you know, and reeks of, of cologne, you know, and has his hair slicked back, you know, everybody's got one, right. That they have to deal with that SOB, you know, but he spends a million dollars with us. So I guess I have to listen to his arrogance. Okay. You got it. You got him in mind. So here is the litmus test for you to know whether you have passed the, 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 or made the grade. Imagine that guy sitting at his desk going, ah, just read in, uh, uh, let's say he's a plumber. I just read in Plumbers Monthly about one plumber here in Oshkosh who just tripled his business by doing something on TikTok. What the hell is that all about? Maybe I should do that. I know I will call you. What would make him pick up the phone to call you? That guy who's got a huge ego, doesn't want to ask anybody anything. What would cause him to say, that's my expert. That's my go-to person, that saleswoman, that sales guy. So, so that's what you have to morph yourself into to be the person who is safe to talk to and has, you know, most of the answers. So, you know, I don't know all that much about TikTok, but I think you're right. It's, it's getting big. Let me get you an answer. I'll call you back within the hour, you know, or two hours. So you get somebody on your staff and say, yeah, help me, TikTok. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell it is. So that, that's a, a great illustration, I think, of what the sales rep needs to morph into if they want to be relevant today. Well, and it, it gets, it, you know, I get excited because this is the gospel we've been preaching for quite some time. You have to be the trusted local expert. Doesn't mean you need to have all the answers at the moment, but you need to be the one that they would reach out to that has that open mind and maybe that open organization that we're trying to figure this stuff out. And um, I, I also like to, to tell customers it's tough to figure it out because it changes every friggin' minute. So you can't be very definitive on things because the algorithm might change or the features might change. By the way, Google My Business, not Google My Business anymore. It's called Google Business Profile. They haven't changed the logo. They haven't changed the text messaging on, on their site, but they've changed, you know, and so it, the ground is moving underneath our feet. Now, for those of you who are just meeting Gordon for the first time, and you haven't done the Google search to figure out his organization, you work with some of the biggest media companies in North America. And you're meeting with those sales leaders, those CEOs, they come to you to ask for advice, and you kind of help them to put together this plan of, of moving forward into the space. So without naming names, um, are, are you feeling that these CEOs and these leaders are truly getting what the opportunity is today compared to maybe five years ago? They're getting there. What I've found is the um, the big public companies are operated a bit different. They're looking at debt load. Um, you know, they're looking at EBITDA profitability and things like that. And it's not like there's not a strategic bone in their body, but they're really focused on maintaining uh, shareholder value. So the shareholders are not wanting, in a lot of cases for you to spend their money, their dividend that they might get on acquiring another company. So it's really tricky with the bigger companies to, you know, to make big dynamic things happen, though it is 
indeed happening. So I just, before the, doing this podcast, sent out an email to a, a guy, a COO at a, at a public company. Um, and I said, oh, look, we just redid our table on the percentage of uh, total advertising revenue that comes from digital. And we do it every year. People really want it. I don't know why, but it is kind of a, a measure of how someone's company is progressing toward becoming all digital. And by the way, here's the dramatic statement, the thought grenade. Um, everything is going to be digital in about 10 years. <laughs> so yeah, there might be magazines just the way there are still ice trucks, you know, and horses. Okay. Um, but it's all going digital. So if you want to measure your transition to digital, maybe you apply this measure to say what percent of our total ad revenue is coming from digital. So the email that I sent out was, oh, look, this one company just surpassed you. They now have something like 75%, happened to be a, a broadcasting company, 75% of their total revenue, highly unusual, by the way, coming from digital marketing and advertising. The way they did it, George, was they bought it. They had several acquisitions over the past couple of years. That's a lot easier than organically trying to grow it with your existing staff to just go out and go, oh, hell, you know, we'll, we'll bring this in and this in, and, and then we'll have, you know, this, this company. You look at a company like Town Square, they more or less grew it organically with Town Square Interactive, that huge unit that they have. And they have about 300 radio stations and half of the revenue comes from digital. And the average for radio is, I think, 15 or 16 percent. So yeah, there, there are some CEOs that, you know, I think see the future, but you can't really stand in front of shareholders and say, yes, you've invested in my big television company with 35, 40% EBITDA um, coming from TV, which all, which is where all the money is and retrans fees from the cable companies, which is half of their revenue and say, the future is going to be digital because, well, wait a minute, what the hell does that mean? You know, for all this, this operation over here, that's bringing in all the, you know, the, the cash flow for the company. So it's a, it's a really, really tricky thing. Well, and I appreciate you bringing up the uh, Town Square, uh, you know, uh, analogy because Bill Wilson, CEO of Town Square, was one of your presenters. He gave a, a very great presentation. I remember when Tim Peroni, you know, created that thing in, in Charlotte years ago. We were working with him at that time. It's amazing what they've done. They're now actually, and it's I think it was $84 million in revenue. He put it up on the screen, so I'm not telling stories at a school. And now they're going to double down on that in Phoenix with another operation um, and then maybe acquire some more radio stations because that's the footprint. In the, like, it's, it's a hell of a story. I I don't want to steal a thunder because I'm trying to work on getting Bill on the show so he can tell it himself. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about was what I, I felt sitting there. So we've got your friend Ezra who did the great presentation on DraftKings. We've got Bill Wilson talking about radio and, uh, and Town Square Interactive. But there was the rise, what I'm calling the rise of OTT and connected TV because it seemed like that was what everybody was talking about, even radio, even newspaper, and of course, television's talking about it because they built platforms. So can we talk about that video phenomenon that, that uh, you know, or was I just, did I have too many drinks at the patio bar or was I just kind of <laughs> dreaming it? Uh, no, that's it. Um, the interesting thing about video, if you recall, was I showed the internet in three waves. Uh, and each wave was a decade long. So we're now just entering this third wave. The first wave was from 2000 to 2010, the second from 2010 to 2020. Um, the first wave was search, 
And and I what I showed in there, George, was revenue. So we're looking at revenue. And so you saw this blue line, which designated search revenue, growing and growing and growing in that first decade. And that was everybody going, oh, wow, the internet. Okay, where is everything? What's out there? And so search became huge because everybody was going to google.com, typing in stuff and then seeing ads, right? And then the next decade was social, starting in about 2010, when Google or uh, Facebook went went public. Mm -hmm. um, and that was everybody going, okay, we know where everything is now, where is everybody? And so they connected there. You could see that line for social media advertising growing really fast. So you look at the third decade, starting in 2020, and there was this orange line. And it not only rose, but it just went skyrocketing, you know, for the remainder of this decade. And that is video. Right. And so we are in that wave right now. It's basically everybody going, show me everybody. Okay. I, you know, I'm on the internet. I found where everything is. I've connected with everybody. I see pictures and I see pictures of, you know, painted toes by the pool and people's food and crap like that. Okay. Come on, show me video. I, I get to see people. I know I can do that now because of the pandemic and zoom. So here comes video and it's in the form of Instagram reels and YouTube and OTT programming, which is technically, you know, uh, uh, streaming video and streaming video advertising. And so what that opens up and what makes it so interesting is that where, who, what one company do you associate with search and where do advertisers buy their search advertising from that one company? What one company do you associate with social and where do advertisers buy that advertising from? What one company do you associate with video? And when advertisers want to buy that video, who do they call? Do they, who do they go online and buy what? Where? It's local. 65% of local businesses buy OTT. They're buying OTT and, and streaming video advertising. 65% are buying it from a local media company. You won't find that with social. 65 are not percent aren't buying from a local media company, they're buying from Facebook, you know, and, and search. So this is the new local wave for all these media companies and agencies. These and, and the other thing about it, I'll just shut up after this, George. I'm just so excited about this. The other thing about it is video is a true disruptor, which means it's opening up a completely new marketplace, something like 80% of the businesses that are buying video advertising have never, ever, ever, and never will buy television or cable advertising. So they're completely new to video. So it's opening up this tremendously new marketplace. Well, and I, I find that when I talk to, you know, your, your now friend, uh, Jamie Cohen, who I know you work with. Jamie's an alumni of the Conquer Local podcast as well. And he tells me when he was brought into Salem, and Jamie was a, in the newspaper business when, when we all met him first, he arrives at Salem to build digital. And he said what the, what the reps, and I met all those reps, trained all those reps, what the reps were saying is digital became an opportunity to have a conversation with people that they, they weren't having conversations around buying traditional radio. So it's kicking, this is an opportunity to kick open new doors is what I, I hear you saying. Yeah, it, it really is, you know, and I saw this back, I want to say in about 2008 or nine on a, a trip in South Carolina to a TV station that had, that was selling video recruiting spots. So, and it was for a truck company that, that they had made this sales call and I went with them. 
And so what they were doing was they were saying, okay, you're trying to recruit truckers. It's really hard. We have this online site that you come to and put your listings on, and this is the package, you know, and we are also going to do a video and it wasn't online. The video was actually on the TV station. So it was a commercial that kind of came with it. And it was just this rock lot, you know, trucking company, you know, and this, this old craggy guy from South Carolina. Um, and so the sales rep was discussing, we were talking about the package and what they would get and how many listings they would get and what the typical response rate would get. And every time he stopped talking, the truck business owner would say, um, what should I wear when they come to do the video? And he said, well, you know, we're what you normally wear, blah, blah, blah. So let me tell you more about the package. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that understandable? Yeah. Should we shoot the video here, you know, in, or should we shoot it out there on the lot? You know, so he was absolutely obsessed. And at that point, a light went on that, God, people love to see themselves on TV, but can't afford it. If something ever came about where they could buy what looked like a TV spot, I don't know, YouTube, right? Uh, and, and, you know, for maybe 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, this is really going to explode. And that's why we see the explosion in video. People love to see themselves, you know, in video rather than, oh, that's a nice little static ad there that you can click on. No, it's a video of them sitting on the edge of their desk in their best red pants suit, you know, and their hair all done up talking about how they're the greatest real estate agents of all time. Well, and, you know, that takes me back to the days when uh, my friend T-Bone here, who's our sound engineer, and I worked in the radio business, and we recorded a lot of radio ads with customers in the studio because they wanted to hear their own voice. And I loved yeah. those ads because there was a really good chance someone would say, I heard you on the radio. And then they yeah. would invest even more to write. So it's the same phenomenon, but it's it's quite exciting to see it happening. Gordon, you know, always a pleasure having you on the show and pulling out some of those nuggets from your amazing event. Now, I do, spoiler alert, there's going to be one next year, and I'm pretty sure I know where it's going to be because I think you and I had this conversation uh, one of the <laughs> evenings. Let's uh, let's tease it because if people are interested in blocking off the calendar now and starting to figure out the budget, uh, when will Burrell 2023 happen and what's the location? Uh, going to be in Miami. We don't have the exact location because uh, the Hilton is shutting down for renovations and what we discovered is they really needed to. <laughs> so, so we're glad about that, but we're looking uh, right now. It will be in the vicinity. It might be a little closer to the Bay, you know, rather than in downtown, but it's always the first week in March. It starts on a Sunday and usually runs Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So block that out, but you'll see something from us. Sometimes we do early sales to people who've attended in the past. So you might be, you know, if you're on our list, just go to our website, look for our research alert list. You can sign up. You probably get a notification that way. But in October, September, October, we'll start promoting it. We'll pick the date. We'll pick the speakers, uh, and then we'll announce it. You do want to sign up really early because that price goes way up after after a couple of months. So the, the earlier you sign up, the, the less expensive it is. And it is a great event. Um, I think, George, we had... 98% of the people said that they would, who attended, we had th over 350, said they would recommend it to a colleague and something like 92% said they would return. 
So, so there's that. So that was good. We're happy with those uh, those figures. And I will tell you that you know we we make the investment on a regular basis, and and I you know every year you look at those investments and see if the ROI was there, and definitely the the return on investment is there from that event. Now the other thing I talked about was the fact that I got all sorts of friends that that you're working with in the space, and and you do these the, these uh, contracts with media organizations with large agencies. If anyone listening to the show would be interested in learning more about Inc. Uh, how do they get a hold of you and your team? Sure. We're not a consulting agency, although we do talk to clients when they have uh, issues. We sell data, uh, uh, licensed data for markets, and that's the biggest bulk of our business. So most of the large media companies across the country are uh, uh, clients. Uh, we're the only advertising data on Bloomberg. The uh, 4As, the Advertising Association of America, licenses our data. We licensed data to people for their specific local markets. It's holistic. It's all the advertising in the market, trending analysis and everything else. Just shoot, uh, you can shoot me an email if you'd like to. Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N at BorrellAssociates.com, two R's and two L's. And I will get it to the right person. Or if you have a question, I'd be happy to uh, uh, to answer it if, if I possibly can. But we love to work with folks in local markets because we we learn a lot working with them, and I think we also know a lot working with a lot of other companies. We see a lot of things fail, so we can sort of help people prevent that. And uh, we will put all of that information into the show notes when we produce this show. And uh, Gordon, always a pleasure having you on the broadcast and looking forward to next year's event. And thanks for the insights that you brought today. Great. Thank you, George. I really enjoyed being on the show. It's an honor. As always, Gordon brings us a lot for takeaways, and we are going to link the presentation from the Burrell 2022 keynote that he delivered, which gives you a little bit more context to the things that we were touching on. But you know, it's interesting. Sync with the young marketers in your company. The seasoned marketer is going to have to have very different ideas. And with those young marketers coming right out of college, those two worlds are going to come together. And it's not that certain ideas are good or bad, as you heard from Gordon. They're just different. And I think you need them all. So when you sync them up, that entire team is going to get better. You know, the traditional media components are still useful. But what we're finding is the buyers are looking for trusted local experts in the tactics that they're deploying. So if they're thinking about video, and you heard a lot about the video, will they think about you? Or if they're thinking about social, will they think about your organization? And I want to drive this point home. In 2016, there, were, there was more money spent on marketing than there was on advertising. That's when those two graphs crossed. Now, it doesn't mean there still isn't billions of dollars spent and invested on advertising. It just means that there is more money spent on digital marketing, which we consider listings, reputation, websites, e-commerce, online booking, content creation, video. Um, so it's important to understand that. And whenever I work with a traditional advertising organization and how I can test this is I ask them, how do you describe your customer? And if they call them advertisers then I know that they're not thinking holistically about the entire marketing package. So Gordon taught us this back in 2016. This year, 
what he's teaching us, and you can find it inside his presentation, is that there are more people being hired to do marketing than there are people being hired to do advertising. That gap used to be 9%. Now it's 20% almost. So that tells us something. Business owners at the SME level are getting smarter and they know they need to bring in experts to help them with this marketing thing. Now we also, and I love this graphic, we got the three waves. Gordon just talked about it. First wave is search. Larry and Sergey build the PageRank algorithm. Google is born. We're like, whoa, it's amazing. I search for something and I find it. And oh, now there's an ad there and I can just click and go. And now the, the advertiser's like, oh, this is amazing. I'm getting all these people phoning and they're coming to me. That's the first wave. The second wave was social. Facebook finally figured out they wanted to be in the advertising business. And then they adopt a platform and you see a spike in the dollars that were spent in social. We kind of lump it all together, although Facebook kind of kicked it off. Now, the third wave that we're seeing is video. And you can see in Gordon's projection, that thing is a hockey stick up and to the right. The others were kind of a gradual curve. Although if you look at them back at the time, we were probably calling those bloody hockey sticks too, because we didn't have the historical context of what was going to happen. But every presentation virtually that I went to at Burrell 2022, you had some of the smartest folks in the space talking about the rise of over-the-top connected TV and video. And I think part of that is we're all carrying around a device in our pocket, whether it be the Android device or the iOS device, that is just an unbelievable camera that is able to capture video. We're more comfortable with video than we were back. Then COVID happened and we had to be more comfortable because we're all on Zoom. We're into the third wave, which is video. So thanks to Gordon for sharing all of those insights that is uh, gleaned from that survey that they do now twice a year through Burrell Associates. And if you like Gordon's conversation discussing modern and influencer marketing, we'll continue it by checking out episode 441. Less is more when it comes to your social media strategy with Krista Nahur. In episode 364, the digital ad spend with Zach Johnson. And I'm not going to give you the numbers, but if you go back, you could find other Gordon Burrell episodes in our history because he's one of our favorite presenters. And you can see why with all the great insights that he brought us this week. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest Discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach. Executive Producers Brendan King, George Leith and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.